Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Internet's favorite informative educational show about plastic surgery, health, and beauty. This is Nip Talk. We got a good one for you today. Starting out, removing breast implants. We're going to talk all about that. Then, here's a controversial one. Should fentanyl be legalized? Finally, Sarah's going to give us some great pre-workout diet tips, and I can't wait to hear about it. It's all coming up right now. Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk. An honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle with your host, plastic surgeon Dr. Bruce Herman, and your co-host, entrepreneur and social media influencer Sarah Bennett. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Please hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us so much. It helps us so much. And uh, please leave us a comment. I started talking too fast. Like, I was so excited to get going with the show that I messed so up. So excited. But uh, no, please leave us a comment. We do want to hear from you. If you guys have topics that you want to hear about it, let us know and we'll talk about it. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. With me, as always, is the wonderful Sarah in her awesome leather jacket that I Hi. love. In the box is Trelvis. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. good. I'm good. You guys got any exciting plans uh, coming up? I think it would I be have... Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving? Yeah, right. yeah it's, well, in another week, yeah. Something yeah. like that. You guys got Thanksgiving plans? Um, Avery's with her dad. So actually, oh. my sister, who is also like single mom, She's just going to come up and we're going to have like just a girl's Thanksgiving. Fine. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, I'm not even really sure what we're doing. I know my, my wife's parents usually come, but uh, her dad's having surgery, so I think they're actually staying. Yeah. M part of my family is going to Japan. Japan? Like my mom's, my mom and then my sister and her family are going to Japan. Wow. I've always wanted to go to Japan. Break. What are they going for? Anything in particular? Um, so my sister her husband is honduran and so yeah. like her daughter's about to be like 16 or whatever it's like the quinceanera thing he okay. was like either you get a party or you get a trip and she oh. picked japan she really likes <laughs> like hello kitty and she's like my daughter my daughter's been hounding me to take her to japan all for of years. that stuff yeah, yeah. that's what she, that's why they're going because my awesome. my niece likes that place that speaking vibe. of trips i'm actually leaving today uh, my wife and i are going to california to go to a music festival nice. she's and the headliner so I was going to tell you guys, like, this, this show is crazy. Like, I wouldn't normally just, like, we actually just made this trip, like, a week ago. Like, it's kind of a last-minute thing. But I actually had to write it down. So these are, I bet you guys have heard of most of these people. And let me know if you know a song, because most of these are one-hit wonders. So okay. headliners are New Order. Okay. Have you heard of them? Kind of. Okay. I think so. Tears for Fears. No? The B-52s. I think I've heard them. Yeah. Love Shack. The yes. Love Shack, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So each of these guys have like one or two great songs. Echo and the Bunnymen, Devo, Soft Cell, Psychedelic Furs, Human League, OMD, Violent Femmes, and The Cardigans. Violent Femmes, I've heard of them. Yeah, Blister in the Sun. Like each of these bands has like one or two like iconic 1980s songs. I, I'm surprised all these guys are still alive. I just, when it, What's I, when the it, festival called? It's called the Darker Waves Festival. Okay. It's like 80s new wave. I mean, most of these are like new wave or like... <laughs> is, it, is it just you and your wife or yeah. a bunch of other people? No, it's just me and my wife. That's yeah. cute. Yeah, we, we like to do that. Like just, so we're leaving today. So uh, and we get in tonight, go have dinner, check in the hotel, concerts tomorrow, hit the concert all day. Uh, I'll be posting stuff on Insta if you want to see it. Uh, and then come back Sunday. 
So That's quick, dope. quick trip. I love yeah. It. I'm excited, and honestly, it wasn't too Super bad. Super jelly. We used, you know, we I have these airline miles that we rack up, and so, you know, we actually don't do a ton of vacationing. Mm -hmm. So I have these airline miles, so we got basically, you know, airline miles to pay for the trip in the hotel, and we just bought the tickets for the show, so. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. I love, I love live music, and, and this is on the Huntington Beach Pier, which I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. I assume it's like a giant pier that goes out into the ocean, and the bands are set up on the pier. I don't know. I mean, probably so. You got to take plenty of videos for us. We got to live vicariously through you at this <laughs> okay. point. So you got to take videos and some pictures so we can share it with the people too for the show. I will. I'll take some. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited. Like, I mean, you know, I I don't know if I've seen any of these bands because they're such small bands. Mm -hmm. You know, that you just don't catch them. Um, but I, but they each have like one or two great songs. Like, right. I, I'm I'm totally excited. So sounds cool. Yeah. So I didn't mean to like bum you guys out. That I'm like, Come on. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. We are happy for you, if anything. Yeah, you know, you got to work hard, play hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, let's move into some topics for today. Um, we got some some pretty cool. We've got one that's uh, really informative, one that's like really controversial. And then Sarah's going to, I'm interested in Sarah's topic too, so I can't wait to hear about that. But the first one I was going to pull up was about when patients want to remove breast implants. And by remove, yeah. like, not just like change them for different ones, but like take them out entirely. And, and the reason I, I, I wanted to do this topic, is, and, and as with most topics that I do, it's when I read news articles. I'm always reading news articles to, I mean, one, because I want to stay informed, but two, also to come up with segments for our show. Yeah. And so one of the things that uh, popped up recently was another thing about the breast implant illness. And, and we did a whole segment about that, I think last year, uh, because it popped up with Danica Patrick talking about yeah. it. And then it kind of gets forgotten because it's, I mean, it's not like the biggest, you know, thing that people talk about, but it, it kind of resurfaced again. It was just an article about, it was actually about this, the surgeon who is doing all these explants, which I'm going to talk about that. Uh, and it talked about breast implant illness and the controversy behind it. Cause remember when okay. we talked about breast implant illness, you know, and for those who don't know what that is, it's, it's a, it's a, a feeling that breast implants are causing these kind of um, self-reported symptoms. And the most common ones are headache, joint pain, brain fog. I mean, there's some really kind of obscure things that people are attributing to breast implants. And when this thing kind of hit, uh, it's been, I don't know, five or eight years ago that this kind of became a, a, a thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my, as a plastic surgeon, I was like, eh, that doesn't make a lot of sense because silicone's pretty inert. Like, just from a molecular biological standpoint, it didn't make sense to me. Well, yeah. it picked up a little bit of steam, mostly through social media. Like, these Facebook groups were popping up. And so then, like, the, the plastic surgery community got involved, and they started doing all this research to see, okay, is this really a thing or not? And, and really, there hasn't been a link shown uh, that, that any of these symptoms are caused by the implants. Um, they went on to do some, some, some pretty interesting studies about if you ask a patient that thinks that they have breast implant illness, do they feel better after removing the implants? Actually, mm -hmm. a majority say they, they do feel yeah. better. You it know, sounds like some type of like sensitivity or psychological issue. I think that a lot, I mean, there definitely could be a um, placebo type effect mm -hmm. to this. And the reason I say that is not to like downplay people's issues or symptoms, but there was a study done where they took women that, that had headache, uh, fatigue, joint pain, and then wanted the implants out for different reasons. And then they asked them, hey, did you notice after your implants out that your headaches or joint pain or anything were better? And they all said no. 
And so right. for patients that actually had the same symptoms but weren't removing the implants because they thought that breast implantless, there was no change. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I'm just not sure they're ever going to really find a link to this. I mean, it is, and also just for people who are considering implants, like it's less than 1% of patients that, that report this. Like it's, it's not a lot of people at all. But it does get like a lot of, of, of traction in the media because it's like, oh, well, breast implants are so popular, but oh, wait, are breast implants harming people? And so because of like in the past right. when they actually were harming people, this right. story gets a lot of airtime. Um, so anyway, uh, and I didn't want to rehash all of breast implant illness. I mean, the one thing I would say about it is you do have to be careful. Uh, there are doctors out there, and this doctor that was in this article, and I thought about like naming him. I was like, no, I'm not going to say his name. Like, th there's some doctors out there that are using this as a way to make money. Yes. And because, you know, people, people want to be reinforced with their thought process. And so, like, Sarah, if you said to me, you know, um, well, I, I think maybe my, you know, my implants are causing my problems. I say, yes, you're right. They are. You know, if you take them out, you're going to feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in your situation would, would be receptive to that type of, yeah. of affirmation and then go through the surgery. And then if the surgeon says you're going to feel better, a lot of people will feel better. And in the end, the surgeon's making money off of it. Um, but there Sad. are, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, if, I, I swear, plastic surgery is just one of like the shadiest things um, because people will make money off of, off of people. And I mean, and that's not just plastic surgery, it's everything. And so I just would say to those out there, you know, if you're thinking about having your implants out, uh, I would go to someone who's just really good at doing breast surgery. I mean, you don't want to be talked into removing your implants um, because uh, I've had patients come to me for breast implant illness and I sit them down and say, look, here's a situation. I go through all the research and I say, you, you very well may feel better if you take them out, but there's not a lot of data support that's real. And you have to consider, one, it, there's a cost in removing the implants, right? Because I've had a patient literally come in to me that had implants that were perfect. They looked great. You know, there was no issue with them. And they were considering taking them out yeah. because of things that they heard. And then they end up deciding, deciding not to after I talked to them. And, of course, I lose money, you know, by doing that. But right. at the end of the day, I, it's not like I'm out there trying to scam people, you know? No. And so I, I would encourage people that are, if, think, if they think they have this, go talk to someone that's knowledgeable and will be real with you and not just talk you into removing your implants. Because there are some downsides to removing them, you know, most notably is what happens to your breasts afterwards. Yes. And so that's where I was yeah, going to kind of- Yeah, that's what would be my fear, is right. like I have breast implant illness and then I get them removed. And then you don't like, feel yeah, better. You're going to feel it. I might feel better, but then I'm like pissed because I don't have my boobs anymore. Well, and it's not everyone that feels better. I mean, you know, the, the one girl that I did that, that said she had breast implant illness, and then I talked to her about it, and she's like, well, I want to get them out. And I was like, sure. I mean, if you want them out, I'm happy to take out your implants. She, she really told me that she didn't. She, she at first thought that she was better, but then her husband kind of told her, hey, you're still complaining about these things. And so at the end of the day, after I'd seen her, I, the first time I saw her, she's like, yeah, I think I'm better. And then when I saw her like in long-term follow-up, she's like, yeah, I, uh, it's no change. I wonder if they've done a, um, a research when women get implants um, and they, are, they already are just psychologically depressed and do have brain fog and stuff, and they think getting these implants will make them feel better, and it doesn't, and they still have it. 
and that's causing it. Yeah. The only thing I'd say about that, I mean, you you oftentimes will do implants in older people, but the majority of people that are getting implants are kind of before those things hit normally. A lot of the things I like, know depression can cause brain fog though. Well, depression that's true. I mean, it could be from something else. Yes. It could be crazy it, stuff. If it's completely related to something else. Yeah, that could yeah. happen. I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, if you thought that these symptoms were age related, right? Because a lot oh. of these symptoms are age related. Okay. You know, and it's like, okay, if an older person already has those symptoms and they get implants, then do they attribute? I, I mean, it means possible. I mean, in reality, like this is not a huge thing. I've seen two, two patients that asked about it. You know, yeah. one ended up having surgery and one didn't. Hmm. So, but on the other hand, removing breast implants is a big thing. I literally do that all the time. It's just I do it for different reasons. Yeah, you, you know, do it for like maybe it's a complication, it's burst, or you know. Stuff it's like either that. that or mostly it's women who are a little bit older who got implants twenty or thirty years in the past and they just don't want them anymore. Because ah. what happens a lot of times is you know women in their thirties they get implants and they they get these these implants, but then over the decades, their bodies change. They get a little bit heavier, uh, their breasts get larger, and then suddenly their breasts are too big, and they come to me and they're like, I just want my implants out. And so that's a, that's a really common consult. I, I, I do almost one of those consults a week where somebody's asking about either removing implants or sometimes downsizing them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I like these surgeries. There's a lot of like thinking involved and a lot of artistry. Because when you remove an implant, you have to be aware of like what's going to happen to the breast and how are you going to make the patient happy? Because right. most people, if you took out their implants, they would be very unhappy with what the breasts look like. But then there's some people that have a lot of breast tissue and a small implant where it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so when people come into me, I, I, I kind of enjoy that, that mental you know, calculating of like, okay, if we remove your implants, this is what your result's going to be. Are you going to be happy with that? And it involves having a conversation with the patient and reading them. And I just kind of enjoy that chess match of determining that. Mm -hmm. and, and what we do most of the time when somebody wants their, their implants out is we take out the implant. Um, I also do take out the capsule layer. And this is kind of getting back into that breast implant illness because you, you get these doctors that say, oh, if you have your implants out, you have to come to me because I do re complete removal of the capsule. And that helps. So while the research shows it makes no difference mm -hmm. as far as people's symptoms, that has been determined. So anyone who says that is just blowing smoke at you. Um, but I, I take out the capsule anyway because I, I want there to be a fresh layer of tissue to heal together. Yeah. So after I pull out the implant, you got that layer on the inside. I always shell that out because I want good, healthy, fresh tissue to heal. Um, so I, I do do that. So I move the implant, I move the capsule, and then I end up end up doing a lift on them. You know, yeah. that's the simple way to take a breast that is not looking good after it loses all its volume from the implant removal and making it look good again. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and you can make people look really nice. And so I actually brought it before and after, and I almost hesitate to bring these because I don't want this show to be like an advertisement for my practice. It's not. So I almost never bring cosmetic before and afters. But I did bring one here, uh, Travis. You can throw that up there. Yeah. So the, on the left, you know, that girl has implants in. Her breasts are pretty large. And so I took out her implants and I did a lift and her breasts actually look perkier after we took the implants out yeah. than before. And obviously her breasts are smaller, but she, she was happy with that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she was a very satisfied patient and um, I think got a result that actually, although smaller, looks better than she started with shape-wise. Yeah. And so, yeah, I like doing these surgeries. Um, they're, they're, there is a lot of thinking involved and a lot of artistry. And... Um, 
yeah, I just think that if you're, if you're going to do it, though, you definitely want to go to somebody uh, that does a lot of them. Yes. You know, it, doing revision work is always harder than doing the initial surgery. It's always harder to deal with taking implants out than putting implants in or swapping out implants or dealing yeah. with Yeah, do a lot of plastic surgeons. Like, you do, like, other things besides, like, cosmetic stuff. Do a lot of plastic I, surgeons do stuff like you do? Like, do that extra? Uh, I would say most surgeons are more, even more diverse than I am. I mean, my practice boils down to three things. I do cosmetic breast and body surgery, which means breast lift, breast augmentation, breast reduction, breast implant revision. Uh, and then I do tummy tucks and lipo. Like that's- I know, but you do stuff on the side. Like you- Right, work. I do have a lot of side gigs. Yeah, yeah. so I do like the, the wound reconstruction. Yeah, I yeah. feel like that, I feel like that's something that probably sets you apart in doing stuff like this because you have like so much experience de dealing with like random situations yeah. where you have to There's a lot like, of thinking involved in that. Yeah, where like, you have to like kind of jigsaw it together. Right. So like whenever you're doing a breast reconstruction, you're just like, this is. Yeah. There, there is a lot of the yeah. same kind of thought processes that go into, okay, here's a problem. How do we solve it? And, and that's why, honestly, I got interested in plastic surgery is there's a lot of thinking in it. Mm -hmm. With general surgery, which I was doing general surgery for plastics, is very mechanical. Patient has a, a bad gallbladder, okay, step one through 10, take out the gallbladder. And there's not a ton of thought process that goes into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes there are, and I don't wanna say that to offend my general, general surgeon colleagues, but I mean, general surgery is for the most part mechanical. For like straightforward. Yeah. yeah, like step one, step two. I mean, same thing, vascular surgery. I mean, sometimes you have to get creative, but plastic's all about creativity. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, it's like whenever we talked about the patient a couple of weeks ago that had the big hole in their chest. It's yeah. like, hey, how are you going to solve this? I mean, well, there's a lot of different ways you could solve it. It's like, what's going to be best for the patient? And same thing with cosmetics. I mean, it's it's very similar. So yeah, yeah. But and that's more for the revision work than the, you know, primary augmentation. Like, I mean, doing it the first time is pretty straightforward. Yes. There's artistry in it, but there's not as much thinking. There's a little bit. Yeah. But but yeah, I, that's why I like like the specialty. So, but yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about breast implant removal. It's a very common surgery. Um, if you want your breast implants out, you don't have to be afraid that you're going to be wrecked after that. There are, there are good ways to improve the shape of the breast, and there are definitely solutions to, to take out your implants and still have you be happy. So, Good. Yeah, good information. All right. Okay, moving on. So this is actually a pretty controversial topic. Um, and once again, this, this, this is a topic that came about while I was uh, surfing news articles and surfing social media. Okay. And it's the question of should fentanyl be legalized? So uh, That's it, I, silly. it sounds crazy, right? Doesn't it sound crazy? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not as crazy as you might think. I actually got this from, I was on Twitter and I saw a um, tweet by this guy named uh, Dr. Ryan Marino. And I don't know him personally, but I have talked to him through social media. And he's an expert in toxicology and addiction medicine. Okay. And he's kind of a he's kind of a big deal in his field. Like I've seen his name on like news articles and uh, you know more than one. And he's he's always talking about fentanyl and he does a lot of um, like harm reduction policy. Are you guys familiar with that that term harm reduction no. policy? No, I'm I'm not. Okay. So mm -hmm. it, so one way you would go about drug policy is say okay we're going to punish everyone that you know uses drugs or has drugs or, you know, deals in drugs, and it's just going to be harsh penalties, and that's how we're going to, you know, stop this problem. Mm -hmm. Harm reduction policy is more about 
protecting people and not necessarily punishing them because they use drugs, but, but educating them and making it safe to avoid bad outcomes. Okay. And it, it, it's, it's pretty popular. I mean, it, it does have its, uh, its people who are, are not as, as for it. You know, there's people more hard lines. Oh, we need to make everything illegal and harsh penalties. Okay. And, and then there's other people who are like, well, we just need to protect people. And I can get behind that. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you want to protect the populace. And so yes. anyway, Dr. Marino is really into to, to harm reduction. Um, you know, it's uh, just mostly minimizing the risk and improving the overall health of the population. So so anyway, he, he threw up a tweet the other day and I actually copied it and pasted it. And it, it was it was he was talking about a, a an fentanyl drug bust and how this person was complaining about the black market. You can't see the bottom of it. And what he said was that if you don't like the black market, well, you can basically eliminate a black market by legalizing and regulating. He used THC or marijuana as an example. And I don't think that he's advocating for, you know, oh, we need to legalize fentanyl, but it's not the first time that I've heard people talk about this. And- But like, how can you, how would you legalize fentanyl? Like, what would it be used for legally? Like recreation, I mean, the same way marijuana was legalized recreationally. I mean, there's a big push to legalize a lot of drugs. I mean, maybe not in Texas, but I mean, I know in the Pacific Northwest, they push to legalize uh, like psychedelic uh, drugs. I mean, they're, they're strictly, strictly used for recreation. Okay, and that's what it would be legalized for? Yeah, potentially, yes. I mean, you know, there are a lot of like European uh, countries where it's, I don't know if it's necessarily legalized, but like where heroin's decriminalized, you know? And so the, yeah. the thought process behind this is that if you legalize and you regulate something, you make it safer and less people will die. Because as you know, or as you may or may not remember, you know, when we were talking about fentanyl deaths, you know, every year, at, at, least, in, at least in the past couple of years, you're talking over 70,000 deaths in the United States from fentanyl. Yeah. And some of that does come from the black market, not to mention, you know, prosecution, crime and all that. And so, although it sounds crazy, I mean, you have to stop and say, is what we're doing working? Is, yeah. is what we're doing working? I mean, not really. I mean, fentanyl's, like illegal fentanyl is, you know, pouring into the country. Yep. Um, people are dying. And so, you know, is there a better way to protect the populace? And, and I'm not saying I'm for this, but I will say that, like, I was for the, the legalization of marijuana. I mean, you know, you think about the things that are legal right now. Do you guys have, know how many people die every year from cigarettes? Yeah, and alcoholism. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a half a million every year, 500,000 roughly from cigarettes and 100,000 from alcohol. Yeah. Like right there, you have two drugs that kill way more people than fentanyl. And they tried to outlaw alcohol before and they right. saw all of these gangs Exactly. Developed like prohibition it. was like an enormous failure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the prohibition of marijuana was an enormous failure. It still was everywhere, except now you're, you know, putting people in jail and criminalizing um, people for something they're going to do anyway. Well, as a Texan, you can just go to Oklahoma and it'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, you, I, I, I don't really follow all that stuff, but I was looking the other day at how many states have legalized. Like, it's insane. Like, yeah. it's, it's almost all of them. I, mean, I, you think, don't hear about I think almost all this, I, I think most, I don't know how many states, but... It, it seems like most of the states that surround Texas yeah. have. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I just kind of noticed that the other day. And so when you're talking about like this, like the legalization of something, I mean, the, the common questions pop up of, you know, would this increase use? 
right? I mean, because that's one thing you have to consider, um, especially with something like fentanyl that has a high addiction potential. That and the fact that you can overdose on yeah. it literally by the size of your fingernail. Right, and so I always throw up that one, throw up that last infographic I have there. Uh, yeah, so this is basically the opioid potencies, uh, and I list them out, morphine, which is you know commonly used in the hospitals for pain control, heroin, which obviously is a legal drug, fentanyl, and then the, the fentanyl derivatives, and the lethal dose, and of course, you know, there's a little bit of variability in that based on, you know, purity and, and, and all of this. But like, so you're talking like two milligrams of IV fentanyl. Yeah, that is enough to kill you. But what you get like on the street might be completely different. Um, but yeah, you bring up some great points when you start talking about something like fentanyl is, one, what is the addiction potential and what is the potential for death? And you're right. Like, it's not like, you know, alcohol where you have to consume an entire bottle of liquor yeah. to kill yourself. I mean, you, it takes you, a lot to overdose on yeah. alcohol. Yeah, and so it, you wonder, you know, is, is this something that's, that's even feasible? Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I personally, I think it would probably not work out. Uh, I, think that, I agree. I think it would probably end up being something we regretted. But on the other hand, to be, you know, to play devil's advocate. The people that want to get fentanyl are going to get fentanyl. they're going to get it no matter what and if you make it safe you potentially could save lives i mean so i i, I it is crazy that when you say it like out loud like hey maybe we should legalize and regulate fentanyl but obviously what we're doing is not working and so you know you have to kind of decide as a society like what are you are you going to be somewhere like singapore yeah. where is fentanyl still used for medical purposes oh yeah, all the time still? okay yeah it's used all the time for medical purposes okay. and the fentanyl that's used in the hospital and what you get on the streets is completely Right. For the most part. I mean, it's the same. I would hope so. It's the same chemical, but like obviously in, you know, they use fentanyl citrate <laughs> like in the hospital. It's like doctors going in the back alleys. Yeah. We need some more fentanyl. Yeah, we got to another... do some more surgeries. <laughs> um, but no, I think that, you know, when you have a problem yeah. like, like the opioid crisis in America, I mean, you have to kind of have some self-reflection of, hey, is what we're doing working? And, and I think that the answer is no. I mean, this problem's gotten infinitely worse in the past, you know, decade, not better. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, is at the end of the day, what's the ultimate goal of of healthcare providers or policymakers is to protect the public. And, you know, it's it it is questionable whether or not what we're doing is protecting. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, okay, well, do we need to be, you know, more strict or less? I mean, you can make an argument for both. I mean, because if you're gonna say what's what's happening now is not working, well, if you're gonna you're gonna go one direction or the other, right? You're either yeah. gonna make it harsher or make it, you know, more lenient. I mean, there are people out there, and, and I don't know if Dr. Marino actually is for this. I tried to, to message him to see if he would say something about well, it. Well, it's like if fentanyl gets legalized, then it's like cocaine should, would be legalized. Right. Well, and there's a lot of people that... I feel like that's how fentanyl yeah. got into America or got into where it is so addictive because that's what it was mixed with or something. That's what I've Well, you know, anyways. you hear that, that people are mixing it, and they're... I mean, the police are reporting that, but I mean, I think now it's just like pure fentanyl for the most part. I mean, you know, people, it's a big thing on the streets, you know, um, and, and it's coming in from all over the place and you never know, you know, what you're getting. I mean, it's, it's why the black market's so unsafe, right? you know? I mean, there, there is a lot of data to show that the legalization of marijuana actually made it safer. It made it more potent, um, but it, but it has made it safer. Yeah, like and, you know, like you know that it's not laced with right. something. Right, and that you know, it it's, be. it's regulated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's not the cartels that are, you know, all the crime associated with like bringing it to the country and selling it and buying it and all that. And so I think almost everybody, except the most strict anti-drug people, would say 
actually legalizing marijuana was actually probably a good thing. It, it, it generated revenue for the states. I mean, you know, most people would say that. As the drugs get more dangerous, you know, you're going to get less and less people that, that would say that. It's like, okay, well, if, if marijuana is legal, should, you know, mushrooms be legal? Well, I mean, that one probably fine, but cocaine, you know, well, I mean, I look at everything as like, you know, how addictive is it and how dangerous. Cocaine was legal one time, right? It was, yeah, early on, it was, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, heroin, I think, was legal early on as well. I'm pretty sure, I, I think in the teens uh, that it was, I don't think it was used the way it's used now, though. Yeah. It was, like, mixed with stuff. I mean, it wasn't kind of used in the same way. Yeah, because, like, didn't, like, a lot of, like, founding fathers, like, like have their little, like, like little, little, like, these little, like, little things, vials and they, like, it. would, like, just, like, <laughs> yeah. stick it up their nose. Yeah, yeah. probably. But it's an interesting topic. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with fentanyl. I mean, honestly, the way our government works, it, probably nothing will happen. Like, probably things will just kind of, you know, yeah. kick the can down the road <laughs> and hope it gets better. Um, but it's, it's an interesting thought process. And, uh, you know, I think things have definitely changed over the last 20 years. I mean, the, the whole thought of, you know, complete app, trying to push abstinence has kind of gone out the window, I think, for the most part. And you're seeing more harm reductions, which I do think is a good thing. You know, I personally wouldn't want to live in a place like Singapore where, you know, the government, you know, puts you to death for, like, non, for a victimless crime. I mean, that's yeah. not the side I would want to live in personally, but. No, no, I don't no. know. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, hopefully Me someone either. much smarter that's than. That's why we aren't politicians. I know, but I think it's good to talk about it. You know, it it's, is. it's an interesting topic and it's something that's, you know, you hear about daily and, uh, you know, I don't know what the solution is. So it's a tough problem. Travis, what's the solution, man? You got it? Uh, don't do drugs. That's the solution. <laughs> just say no. <laughs> just say no. Be just, above the influence. Just say no. I mean, obviously, that'd be the best the best thing for right. everyone, for sure. But realistically, I'm not sure the human race can do it. Yeah, I ain't got the answer, Sway. Yeah. All right. Well, we, don't, we can't solve every problem here, but we can at least talk about them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. All right, Sarah, are you going to solve the problem for what I should eat yeah. before and after a workout? She's going in the pocket. Uh -oh. I got to get my... <laughs> See, see, this is different between me and Sarah. This is my note. Sarah's like, I'm just going to use my smartphone. You know, save the papers, okay? All right, so I don't have any cool pictures or anything. Sorry. That's all right. We can um, visualize. So we're going to talk about pre and post uh, workout nutrition. And I read two articles. One was from eatright.org, and the other one was from everydayhealth.com. Okay, and this is strictly related to workouts? Yes. Okay. Educate uh, Yes. So... Number one, don't skip carbs. Like carbs, that is your fuel with any workout. Okay, so don't skip carbs. Number one, that's the bet. Like if at the <laughs> that would end be the of first, this, that's the first thing I yeah, do is like, like, I'm like, nope, no carbs. End, yeah, at the end of this, if you haven't learned anything, just one, just just one. Now, when thing. you say Eat workouts, carbs. is this strictly like weightlifting or is that like? No, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna go over that. Oh, yeah. you're gonna go? Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to. Okay. So, to, so we're going to talk about pre-workout nutrition first. So eat one to four hours before a workout, but it's different for everybody else. So that's like your, this is like your chance to decide whether or not like, hey, I feel my best when I work out, when I eat two hours before my workout, or hey, I feel best if I don't eat anything, but four hours before mm. at least. But main thing, at least four hours before a workout, you should, so you should have eaten something. Okay. So that's good to know because like when I do like a race, which I haven't done races in a long time, I generally fast. Yeah. Which is bad. Yes. So tell me it's bad. Okay. Because I assume like a race would be a type of working out. Yes. Oh, you're going to get to that. Okay. Yes. 
endurance, yeah. So examples of pre-workout fuel would be peanut butter and banana, sandwich, PB&J, those are, I, I eat those quite often, Greek yogurt and berries, oatmeal with low-fat milk and fruit, apples and peanut butter, that's another one of mine, and a handful of nuts and raisins, not my thing, but <laughs> <laughs> not my deal, but whatever. Um, so, but what do you notice about this fuel? Like, what is like the main thing that you notice? So like protein. peanut butter, bananas, Greek, well, Greek yogurt, berries, oatmeal and low-fat milk. Fibers? Apples and peanut oh, butter, nuts and raisins. I thought it was protein too. So yeah, it's protein. Oh, it is protein, okay, I said that. But it, oh. it contains carbs and fat, so mm. you have. Oh, so it's, so it's kind of well-rounded. Yes, okay. and it's a snack. You can also take away. Okay. It's a, this is like a snack food, this isn't a meal. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so for cardio, what do you think you would increase if you could, if you would increase any type of protein, carb, or fat? Carbs. Yes. Okay. So for if you're Just say you're energy. going on a run, mm -hmm. since you like to run, you need to you do need to eat protein, but you need to also um, do more carbs. So I would say eating oatmeal would be good for you okay. before in the morning, or eating an apple and peanut butter. Okay. Because that's mainly you're getting most of the carbs. I think there's an increase in carbs from the apple versus the protein from sure. the peanut butter. Yeah. So that's a good snack for you. Okay. Versus Greek yogurt, that is a lot of protein. And then some berries. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, so carbs, and then, it. so for strength training, obviously you increase with protein. Okay. So, so you increase the ratio. Yeah. So you still eat carbs, but right. like just depending on what type of exercise that you're predominantly going to be doing, that's what you need to do. Okay. Um, and then you might be thinking um, what you should do if you work out in the morning versus later in the day. Okay. So. You work out in the morning, right, usually? No. Or you work out later in the day? Yeah, later in the day. Okay, so I do too. So so it's it's kind of like that one to four hour ratio. Okay. If you've eaten, technically if you've eaten a meal in that one to four hour ratio, you don't need to eat like a snack or something before okay. you go. But if you feel like you do, you should be eating one to 200 uh, calorie snacks. Oh, one to 200? Okay, uh -huh. that's good to know. Yeah, I count to calories to it. I, yeah. I really do count calories. Okay, you Big do. Big time. Okay, so I have to these days. try to so eat terrible. that snack with 30 to 60 minutes before your workout. I would say more like 60 minutes. Okay. Um, and you know, keep in mind what you're, what you, um, what type of um, training you're going to be doing, endurance gotcha. or strength training. And then, um, so some people work out in the morning, those overachievers. I'm crazy. not one of those There's people. There's this guy that runs down my street. I always leave at the same time in the mornings for surgery. Mm -hmm. And he, every single day, he's running. Yeah. It's crazy. That guy's insane. I want to stop and just be like, dude. I mean, I like to run, but like, I ain't getting up at 6 and running. We're like, what's your secret? How do you do it? <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so a lot of people have issues with eating in the morning, especially before they're working out. I don't like to eat first thing in the morning. The first thing I like to do in the morning is drink coffee. And then like maybe an hour later, I'll eat something. That's just how I am. But for if you're going to work out like first thing in the morning, it's good for you to eat a 200 calorie something. Okay. So some people, like if you can't stomach like eating something, mm -hmm. eat that's some me. applesauce. Okay. Like do some applesauce because that's straight carbs and that's what you need to okay. run. 
Um, and then if you do like to eat like just a little something, it would be like half an English muffin with some peanut butter, some bananas, um, and a half a cup of like yogurt and some granola. So like a 100 to 200 calorie snack an hour before you run. Yeah, but I could higher probably... in carbs than protein. Right, I could probably do that, you know. And that would help you, that would fuel your run better for you. It would make sense. It would help you use the right um, fuel I generally, you, when I was talking about good, like the best. when I used to do races, and also when I used to play ice hockey, like I almost had to have an empty stomach or I would throw up, just because I like I I really pushed myself from a cardio standpoint. Have you ever like done so much cardio you've thrown up? I've yeah, yeah. I've gotten to the point. I've never thrown up, but I always oh. make myself stop. I see. <laughs> I keep going and like I mean when I used to play ice hockey, especially um, when I wasn't in great shape, like I would always bring the trash can to the bench. Because oh there, there were plenty of times I would like do a shift and I'd come and I'd just Well, throw. and you're wearing so much gear, you probably Dude, get ice hockey so burns overheated. like serious calories, you have no idea. Yeah. But I threw up on the bench many, many times. Just from like exert you know, that's a high exertional type of thing. Yeah. I've done it in races too. I just don't, you know, stop. Yeah. It's yeah. So I, that's why that's why and if I have like food on my stomach, I really will so I, I usually don't eat, mm -hmm. but I could probably do like 100 or 200 calories. And, yes, and to be like honest, like I don't necessarily run or exercise that hard anymore. Although mm -hmm. I've gotten close, I've been. Yeah, you said you were in a 5K. You could have. Who knows how? Who knows how fast? How more like fast you could have run if you would have eaten is, a little. That is a great. A little great piece question. of bread yeah. with some peanut yeah, butter. I'm on I'm gonna it. try that. I'm gonna run today, so I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna yes, eat 200 calories it. an hour before I go. Do it. I am. Okay, so post-workout okay. is just, just as important as the pre-workout. No, when you say it's important, like, I guess for muscle building? Mm -hmm. or Okay, for muscle building. Okay. Like, it's like it, it repairs um, the glycogen right. that you lose. Right, I know glycogen, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it Restore, repairs. It restores yeah. the glycogen. Yes, yeah, yes. restores it and repairs your muscles. That's our main, muscles. like, fuel that we mm -hmm. store. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, like I said, yeah, so... You want to re rebuild your muscle and regain the glycogen loss during training. So some post-workout fuel is a smoothie. Mm -hmm. So low-fat milk and fruit. What about like protein shakes? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Is that good? Okay. Yeah. Um, low-fat chocolate milk. Ugh, no. Hard pass. Turkey on a whole grain wrap with veggies. Low-fat yogurt with berries. I love a good deli sandwich. Yeah, same. I would definitely do the bottom two. I also love chocolate milk. I actually, you do? yeah. Ugh. Me and Avery, my daughter. Like the thought of it's making my mouth water. For like and not milk. in a good way. Like you just don't like milk, in general. Yeah, I just like. I mean, the thought of drinking milk after I work out. <laughs> you just. Well, you have to drink it at least sixty minutes after. Still, I just. So you'd be able to be chill, chilled maybe. out. Maybe I guess eat. in sixty minutes. Yeah. I don't love chocolate milk anyway, but the thought of drinking milk right after I've gone and run like five miles, like, it's making me nauseous just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like, where's the trash can? Where's my trash can? There's not any in here. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you kind of follow the same process as you would pre-workout. So after a post-workout, um, super high cardio, what do you think your- Carbs. Yeah, so yeah. you need to increase your carbs after a cardio workout, and then increase your protein after strength training. Got it. That makes sense. But and you still need to eat the carbs and the fat. It's just have a higher percentage of Right. When I used those. to actually work out with weights, which honestly my whole life I've worked out with weights in probably the last like 10 years, um, 
I would always, like, right after a workout, I would hit, like, a protein shake, and then I'd eat, like, like chicken or beef. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. And I'd eat some carbs, but. Yeah. So and I was kind of uh, doing those. It just yeah. made sense, right? It's like I'm trying to build muscle. I need protein. Yes. Yeah. For sure. A good, and so a good general rule is to aim for a snack that it, that's, that's at least 10 grams of protein mm-hmm. and double or triple that in carbs for, like, a. Uh, and that's a snack, not a meal. Mm-hmm. Like post-op, or post-op. Yeah, because 10 grams of protein is like, that's, that's literally a cup of yogurt. Yeah, it's like nothing. Yeah. That's really low. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, 20, 20 to 25 grams, that's a chick, That's chicken. That's like a yep. piece of chicken, like eight ounces or six ounces or something like that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and the reason I wanted to look all this up is because um, obviously I work out quite a bit. Were you doing all this stuff already or did you um, learn some things from doing this? I do do the pre-workout snack. Yeah. I always try to eat like something at least an hour before I work out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just like shove some goldfish in my mouth. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like I know that I need something. Because right. so, like there's been times when I'm at my gym and I'm my stomach's growling. Yeah. And I'm like oh this is going to be horrible workout today. But in terms of post-workout, no, I don't try. I do not hit that 60-minute really? thing. But, like, I work out from 5.30 to 6.30 in the afternoon. So when I get home, I make dinner. Like, as soon as I get home, I'm making dinner. So I don't – it's like I probably am not hitting that 60-minute mark. So if I wanted to be, like, super on top of it, I should probably um, drink a like a protein yeah. shake right after we, I the, work out. The last gym that I really worked out a lot, uh, they actually had the, the bar right there at the gym. Mm-hmm. Like that was a new thing. Not like a bar bar, like alcohol bar, but like yeah. they had the smoothie bar. Get drunk at the gym. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> and so I would always get one of those things. I would buy these like protein shakes and it was like 50 grams of protein and they were actually pretty good. Yeah. And I would just drink that on the way home. I want to know the science behind because sometimes if I like take like a shot or something, I get like this like, you know, like a little spunk and I feel like more <laughs> energetic and I'm like, I wonder if there's like a thing, but like whenever you, like if you took a shot, like if an athlete took like one shot before like a workout. If, a shot if, of what? Alcohol. Oh, a shot of alcohol. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hundred, there's a hundred calories in it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, each shot's roughly 100 calories. Of carbs. Of carbs, yeah. 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 I wonder if I wonder if it would help them better, like a a shot of alcohol or a shot. I mean, you could ask my beer league. A shot of like green juice. You could ask my beer league hockey team. Those guys would drink before, during, and after the game. Oh my gosh. Um, Speaking of hockey, did you see that video of that man that got his neck slit, like his throat? Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, skates are dangerous. I saw the video. Yeah, it's, it's it was horrible. Terrible. There was a goalie in the United States. Uh, it was probably 15 years ago, and he took a skate to the neck. He survived, but it was the same type of video. Like it was just like, I mean, if you get cut in the neck, I mean, that's what always freaks me out whenever I go to a skating rink and I fall, and there's like all these people on like, my hands. I mean, realistically, I mean, it's not like skate blades are sharp like a knife. I mean, but, but pressure. Right, yes. The thing is, is that they have a little bit of an edge on them. Of course. And if you, you know, in hockey, I mean, I broke broke my neck in a hockey game. Uh, yeah, like uh, 10 years ago. Oh. Um, like, I, it was just a high impact, you know, me and another guy collided, and I was just at a weird angle. I mean, it's fast. It's a fast game. You can easily go 20 miles per hour on skates. You get two people going 20 miles per hour at, at each other, like, that's like a serious collision. 
Now, of course, you're padded, but um, dangerous. But yeah, like the skates can be dangerous, really dangerous. That's but scary. fortunately, things like that are, are very rare. Because I mean, you know, most of the time people aren't. That was really weird how that guy flung his leg up. You know, the question is like, did the guy do that? You know, on purpose? Yeah, that's one of my friends. Yeah. He likes to play hockey a lot too, and he was like, yeah, there's a lot of questions yeah. around that. And apparently, the guy that um, did it on right. accident, he had he's been having issues yeah. with um, roughing yeah. other players. Yeah, he's like kind of a dirty player. Yeah. yeah. Stuff. Well, listen, I do appreciate that those workouts. I actually did learn some things from that that I'm actually going to try uh, maybe as soon as today as far as like my yeah. my, my running workouts. So yeah. I'll let you know. I'm going to try like probably 30 minutes before I run 100, 150 calories. I, I know exactly how many pretzels that is. <laughs> <laughs> I can weigh it out. You do your dots pretzels? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We really do appreciate it. Please leave us a comment. Let you know what we, you would like us to talk about. And we would love to talk about it on the next episode of Nip Talk.